good day. It's, and this is a good place to be. A couple of announcements, and I want to make a few comments before we get started in the sermon. Uh, one, this Friday, uh, Degree 180 is having a film festival that is, uh, all the proceeds are going to support Kenya Kids Missions. That, that is, they'll be buying uh, mosquito nets to save lives in Kenya. Now, how many churches have a film festival, for crying out loud? I mean, you really need to do, yeah, this is, this is going to be cool. I, I'm not sure exactly what they're going to be showing, but uh, I, it, it, it's going to be really good. I do know that. And it'll all be original stuff. It's $10 to enter a film. It's $5 to come. And like I say, all of the proceeds will go to Kenya Kids Missions. And I encourage you to, I encourage you to come. I, I'm sure you're going to see some cool stuff. Uh, and then secondly, this afternoon at 4.30 is, uh, is the final performance Lamplighters has of uh, Steel Magnolias. And it's a good show. I encourage you to come see it. Uh, I want to make a few comments about uh, the Judgment Day rapture thing yesterday before we go. I haven't actually said anything about it in the uh, Sunday morning services. We've talked about it some in my Wednesday night class, but haven't said anything about it Sunday morning services because uh, my my philosophy is that if if I feel like something is dangerous or if I feel like something is bad uh, and nobody's talking about it, then I don't need to. I don't need to pay any attention. I don't need to call attention to it. Uh, and so that's why I haven't said anything about it. But now that it is passed, let me, let, me, let me just say some things. First of all, one of the things that we discovered in the, or one of the things that we talked about in the Wednesday night class is uh, how to spot a false prophet. And the scripture is very clear. If someone prophesies that something is going to happen and it doesn't happen, the word says, do not be afraid of that prophet because he does not have the word of the Lord. The fellow who gave this prophecy for yesterday had done this already in 1994 and he was wrong. Now, I don't know the man. I don't know his heart. I suspect that he probably loves Jesus and desiring to see his Lord come back. And I, that's, you know, I can't fault him for that. But at the same time, he's not a prophet of the Lord. And I don't know, you know, in, in the church, it just seems so crazy. We, we have such short little attention spans and we love to hear about the future. And we love to hear about somebody going, this is what's going to happen. And, and there, there are churches all over the nation where today prophets are getting up and saying, this is going to happen. And nobody's writing it down. Write it down. And if it doesn't happen, the next time that guy comes... Do something worthwhile. Go cut your grass. Take your wife to dinner. Do, don't, don't go get some more. Secondly, uh, I, I don't know, you know, we're so clever that we can take anything and make it confusing. And what we don't understand about no man knows the day or the hour. I mean, you know, we read that and we go, there's a secret message there. 
There's got to be. Uh, he, he said no one knew the day or the hour, but he didn't say anything about the week or the month. Says no man knows. Maybe it's a woman. <sighs> Help. It's nobody knows. And you're not supposed to. I mean, God's not going to. Because you're supposed to live each day like it could be the day. You know, if you knew what the day was, you'd mess something up. If you knew it was. Another thousand years before he was coming back, there there would be a tendency in our lives to just kick it in a neutral. You know, and if you knew it was tomorrow, there'd be a lot of insincerity and a lot of wrong reasons in our life. So it's just supposed to be that every day, because, and here's the last thing I'm going to say about it He is coming back. And I can't wait. I know this world belongs to God, but it's my inheritance. And I am so sick of it being ruled over by little godlets of, of fear and, and lust and, and money and pride and things like that. I, I, want the, I want the big one. I want the God who loves me, who loves us, who has the power. I want him to come and rule and reign. And that's going to happen. And that's all I have to say about that. Okay. Uh, we are starting a new series this week. It's a three-week series uh, called the I Am Series. And uh, we're going to start out this week in John chapter 10. So would you stand with me? And let's read some, some verses together. Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming... He abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power that's in your word and the life that's in your word. And I pray that you would just fill this room and fill our hearts, Lord God, with your, with your revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> when God appeared to Moses at the burning bush 
And Moses asked him what his name was. Most of you are familiar with this story. Uh, God actually gave him uh, more than one answer. Uh, He also told him, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But the first answer that he gave him was, I am. That's my name. I am. And that name uh, implies a self-sufficiency that only one can claim. I mean, we, we tend to think that we're that we're pretty self-sufficient, you know, especially if you got money in the bank and all the bills are paid and, and you're a grown-up and you got a driver's license and stuff. You just feel, you know, you feel self-sufficient. Uh, I know when I was a little kid, probably most of us, you look forward to that day when you can do what you want to do. And every now and then, uh, you know, and our kids are grown now, they're all out of the house, uh, they're all you know, doing their own little family thing, you know, husbands and wives and stuff. And every now and then I'll just look at Margaret and, and uh, you know, and I'll go, uh, she'll go, what do you want to do tonight? And I'll go, we're grown up, so we can do anything we want to do. <laughs> That's right. When you, when you were, were a little kid, it wasn't that way. I mean, if you wanted a piece of candy, your parents had to get some candy, you know, to give to you. I remember when I was, when I was little, um, I used to love, they had these cinnamon roll things, and they'd come in, you know, packages like that, and it wasn't just a little bit of icing on top of it, it was, you know, icing all the way across, and I used to love to to open those things up, my my mom would get so aggravated at me, I'd open those things up, and, and I'd eat all the icing and throw the bun away, and I thought, man, when I grow up, I'm gonna buy these things. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to eat a whole thing of icing and throw the buns away, and nobody's going to say anything to me because I'm a grown-up. <laughs> well, I never did that. <laughs> but I still have time. <laughs> we like to think we're self-sufficient, but the truth of the matter, we, we, we're not anywhere remotely close. You know? You can't create any air to breathe if He doesn't give it to you. You can't create any water to drink if He doesn't give it to you. You can't create any food. You may be able to cook, but you can't create the food if He doesn't give it to you. There's just so much that we'd just be gone if He turned His face from us. But He is I Am. He has a self-sufficiency that no one else has. And the name implies an unchanging nature that only one can claim. We age. I went to a uh, golf tournament three or four years ago, maybe even longer than that. I don't know. You know, anything that was over two years ago has been in since World War II. Okay. <laughs> And went, went to this golf tournament. It was a, it was a benefit for um, a pastor, uh, an older fellow that had influenced a lot, of, impacted a lot of our lives. And I remember there were a lot of guys there that I hadn't seen in decades, and uh, including the guy I was riding with in the cart. And I remember turning to him and going, man, some of these guys have really aged. And he turned to me and he said, and they ain't the only ones. What? <laughs> I didn't notice anything until I look at the pictures. And then I do, but 
There's one that doesn't change. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. God Almighty, unchanging in all of His ways. I am. And in in the book of John, John has several places where he has Jesus making these proclamations beginning with that phrase, I am. And and every time, you know, <laughs> when when Wayne first came here as, as a worship pastor and he started talking about God being daddy, my father, every time he heard Wayne say daddy, my dad, <laughs> I mean, it just kind of sent a thing down him. It was just sort of like, you don't call God daddy. No. And, you know, he finally got, he got, you know, he, Wayne lived, and, but every time Jesus would do one of these, I am, you know, there were, there was a ripple that went through the crowd. And in particular, one time in particular, over in, in John chapter eight, he's telling the Jews that if they were really Abraham's children, they would believe in him because that's what Abraham did. And, and he finally, as the, as the conversation went on, he finally got to the point where he said, Abraham saw my day and was glad. And they went, you're not even 50 years old. And you've seen Abraham? Ray Tabor's the only one I know who knows Abraham. <laughs> I couldn't help that. I'm sorry. Those of you who don't know Ray, he's back there. God loves him and so do I. Uh, <laughs> And he loves me because I say things like that about him, yeah. You're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? And then Jesus, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am, period. They picked up stones to try and kill him. There was a contingent of soldiers that was sent to bring Jesus in one time and and when the, the commander came back, they came back without Jesus. And they said, why didn't you bring him? And he said, no one ever spoke the way this man speaks. And no one ever spoke the way this man speaks. That, that is not something that uh, a reasonable, logical, sensible human teacher would say. That is either uh, an absolute lunatic or that is the son of God saying that. And there are several places in, the, in John where he makes these I am statements and, and adds a little more to it after, the, after, after the, the title. We're only going to do three of them. Uh, well, maybe three and a half because today is actually kind of two. And you probably picked up both of them as we went through. He says, I am the gate. Now, this image is a bit confusing uh, as I read this passage and what he has to say about the gate, there, there are things in it that I don't really understand. But here's what I do when, uh, when I come to a passage in the Bible, and I'm going to share this with you because I think it might help some of you. When I come to a passage in the Bible that I find confusing, and I, and I don't, you know, there are parts of it that I don't understand, I focus on the parts that I do understand. Lots of times we get into looking at the parts that we don't understand, and because we don't understand that little part, we don't really take any of it. Take the part that you do understand, 
And then one of these days, as you're reading along, the Holy Ghost will just kind of tap you on the shoulder and go, let me tell you what that part means. You go, whoa. I mean, it's happened to me so many times. And so I take the parts that I do understand, and there are three definite things that I understand from this image that, that he's got here. One of the things is that anyone who tries or advises a way other than the gate is a thief. Everyone who comes to God will do so through Jesus Christ. Everyone who finds God will find him through Jesus Christ. This does not necessarily mean that everyone's going to do some ritual that we've come up with. It does not necessarily mean that everyone's going to sign a commitment card or that everyone's going to shake the pastor's hand or that everybody's going to come walking down the aisle. You know, those, I, I'm not against those things. Those are, those are good things. It's good to make that, that public statement. But even that... You know, if, if, you, if, you, if you were going to say there's a ritual that makes you a Christian, then it'd be water baptism, because that's what the Scripture says. Now, we don't, and, and I don't necessarily believe in what they call baptismal regeneration. I believe if you, get, if you give your life to Jesus, then he's got you, you know, whether you, whether you have the opportunity to do the ritual or not. But that's the public testimony to the world in Scripture, is water baptism. And by the way, if you've given your life to Jesus and you haven't been baptized, why? Why? You know, it's not, uh, it's, it's like, it's, it's, he's not just becoming your savior, he's becoming your Lord. And if he tells you to do something and you go, no, I don't want to do that. He's not your Lord. You know, that's, that's a joke. You know, you have me. I just won't get wet for you no so if you've given your life jesus you do need to be baptized but it's not about any particular kind of ritual or any kind of formula that we it's about him that's why we lift him up that's why we point to him because he is the way he he he's he's the only gate anybody who tries to go any other way is a thief the woman at the well really got it i I love that story you know, after she found out that Jesus was a prophet and she started, she wanted to argue religion with him and, and go, you know, uh, we Samaritans worship here on this mountain, been doing it ever since Jeroboam the first. And, and, but you Jews say you got to go to Jerusalem to worship. Well, I just don't believe that. I think you can, you can worship here on this mountain. Which, which is it? And, you know, and Jesus sorted her out and said, look, the Jews know what's going on because salvation comes from them. But a time is coming and has now come when those who worship him will worship neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And then I love what she said. Once she got that revelation, do you know what the next thing out of her mouth was? She said, I know that Messiah is coming. That's the one thing I know. And when he comes... He will explain everything to us. And Jesus, you, I, I can just see this big smile spread across his face. <laughs> he goes, oh, you probably ought to be one of my disciples. Uh, these other guys don't get it that, that quick. <laughs> I who speak to you am he. Do you know that aside from his disciples, she's the only person in Scripture that Jesus ever looked at and said, I am Messiah. 
because she got it. It's about him. It's about him. It only took her uh, two sentences of teaching to learn that it wasn't about where you went or how you did it. It was about Messiah. That's what it was about. Anyone who comes any other way is a, is a thief and, and, and a robber. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And he doesn't just steal from God. I mean, yeah, he steals from God because those are God's sheep. But he steals from the sheep too. He steals from us the peace that's supposed to be ours. Gone. The joy that's supposed to be ours. Gone. The fruitfulness that's supposed to be ours. The, the strength that's supposed to be ours. Gone. That's what, the, that's what the thief comes to do. To steal and kill and destroy. And I know from this passage that those who use the gate will be saved and find pasture. It's a now and later thing. Saved, yes. Saved from sin, saved from death, saved from hell, yeah. But between now and the other side, what about some pasture? Like to find some, you know, we, we're, we, we, the way we have presented the gospel has been so focused on future heaven, future hell, that people have come to Christ because of future heaven, future hell, and nothing has changed in their lives. Just, just keep tooling along. I got that taken, that's checked on my bucket list. And they don't understand that you've entered into a whole new way of living. A whole new way of, of functioning and moving in this world, on this planet, in this life, right now. And when he's your shepherd, it's, it's pasture. Jesus says, I am the, the good shepherd. And uh, I love this picture. Because that's a real shepherd. That's what a shepherd looks like. And two things about the good shepherd. One is he lays down his life for the sheep. This is the distinguishing mark of the good shepherd. No one else has even claimed to ever do this for us. That is so contrary. The idea of of the the mighty and the innocent and the powerful coming and and giving their life for the weak and insignificant and guilty is so contrary to anything the world has to offer that none of the, none of the, the imposters that the world has sent has even pretended to do this. But it is so God. It is so God that He comes and lays down His life for us. And, he, and, and it wasn't that He got backed into a corner. No one takes His life from Him. Uh, he, it wasn't that Jesus had no choice. It wasn't that he ended up in the garden going, oh, Father, they didn't accept me. I guess I'm going to have to die now. I didn't want that to happen. No, he knew it was going to happen from the get-go. That's why he came. That's why he came. He came to do this. He told the disciples over in, in John 14, said, I, I'm not going to speak to you much longer. This was, this was at the, uh, the Last Supper. He said, I'm not going to speak to you much longer. For the prince of this world is coming He has no hold on me. He doesn't have any power over me at all. But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what the Father has commanded me. Distinguishing mark of the good shepherd, he lays down his life for the sheep. 
and he knows the sheep, and his sheep know them. He knows you. He doesn't just, he doesn't just look at you and, and go, oh, there are my sheep down there. No, he says, there's Connor. Yeah. You know, there's Clarice. There's Wayne. He's the woolly one. You know? Yeah. He knows you. He really does. And not, and, and the response is supposed to be that we learn his voice, that we come to know him. You ever tried to pet a sheep you didn't know? I have. And that's about as close as you can get to one of them. I mean, even if they're over there eating and you're, and you're kind of coming up to them going, oh, sheepy, sheepy, sheepy. Nice little sheepy. You know, they'll get, you'll get about 10 feet from them and they go, bah, you know, and off they're gone. And that's it. Oh, that we would be like that. <sighs> you know, he's got, to, he's got to look at us sometimes and just go, what kind of sheep are you? <laughs> Strangers come along all the time. We're just, you know, we'll go... <laughs> you know, because we don't know his voice. We don't know him, but when you do learn his voice... And it's, and, it's, and it's also got to do with the fact that we're thinking that it's got, you know, that, that all of this has to do with when we die. When we move to the next level. The next level, this is, this is the next level. You give your life to Christ, it is the next level. I mean, there's levels beyond levels beyond levels, but this is the next level. And it involves coming to know Him and hear Him and and as such, there is a response that the sheep have. And it's, it's the psalm of the sheep. And most of you are familiar with it. Psalm 23. You've been to a funeral, right? You know, it's about the only time usually we think about it. And yet, it's not really about funerals. It's about life. The sheep who know His voice. This is what they have to say. I will not be in want. This isn't, this isn't, you know, making a vow. God, you know, God's my shepherd, and so therefore I'm a king's kid and I'm going to have all the stuff. No, it's got nothing to do with any stuff. Mm-mm. I will not be in want because I have him. And he is everything. Paul says in Philippians 4, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I know, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. We love that last sentence, but we almost never connect it with the rest. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength because He is everything. Because He has become everything to me. So that all these other things are just things. 
Hebrews 13.5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Be content with what you have because you have Him. He's not going anywhere. He's not like that boyfriend that dumped you in the eighth grade. He's not, he's not like that parent that left. He's not, he's not like someone who was important in your life and didn't stay around. He's not going anywhere. He is with you. And when you, when you got that, when you got that nailed, you won't be in want anymore. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Leads me beside still waters as humans. <laughs> we have a tendency to think that the pasture is always greener on the other side of the fence. We, uh, we were in this field of sheep. And there was this one, there was this one sheep that, uh, that is so weird that that's plural and singular as well, isn't it? Uh, there was this one, there was this one sheep. That, I mean, this field was lush. Now you can tell. I mean, it's got, it's lush. And he didn't want to eat anything in that field. All he wanted was what was on the other side of the fence. And he was doing his best to, to get to the other side of the fence. That's us. And therefore, we don't, we don't value, uh, we don't often learn the value of roots. If we follow Him, then figuratively and likely literally, we'll learn to stay as well as go. We used to sing a song when I was growing up. <laughs> My dad... <laughs> uh, uh, my dad was, a, was, you know, it took me a while to learn what a cool guy he was, but he really was a cool guy. And, uh, you know, by the time I was 50, I was beginning to think that maybe that was true. It just took me a while, but, but I came to learn it. And one of the things that was so cool about him was he thought he could sing and he almost could. <laughs> now, some people can sing and some people think they can sing and can't. But he thought he could and almost could. But he'd start these songs and there's just no telling. <laughs> yeah. But he would, I remember him singing, I'll, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. And, it was, you know, I, I must have heard that song 500 times growing up. Maybe, maybe a thousand times. And, and it was because in those days, uh, you know, everybody had one car per household, if they had that. Uh, and if you took a vacation and it was out of state, that was a big deal. And people were there. They're just there. And so the thing was that people were being encouraged to be willing to go. We now live in a culture that's just total 180 on the other side of that. Because sometimes God's command is go, but sometimes God's command is stay. Stay. We have a tendency to look at, uh, you know, as a, as a pastor in this day and age, you, 
you come to discover that uh, it's a real fluid situation, usually in the congregation. Uh, my friend Maury Davis up in Madison says, I pastor a parade, not a church. And, and, and he really kind of does pastor a parade. Uh, it's not quite that bad here, but, you know, people come and go. And sometimes they go because God told them to. And I'm totally cool with that. Absolutely. You got to be. You know, if, if you're not, that undercuts everything that you're about. Uh, but sometimes they, they go, sometimes people leave a lot of churches because they'll go to a church and they'll be there for a year or two and, uh, or maybe, maybe three or four years or five years. Uh, and after a while, they begin to feel like uh, something's just not uh, right. And the thing is, they, they then think, well, maybe I, maybe I need to be somewhere else. And so they'll go somewhere new. And the music's different. And, and the preacher's different. And people are treating them like, it's good to have you with us today. You, you must be a visitor, you know, kind of thing. And for a few months, they just really feel like, yes, this is what I've been needing. Truth of the matter is, that's not what they've been needing. What they've been needing is more of him. And they still don't have more of him. They've just masked it. Does that make sense? He leads us green pastures, still waters. And sometimes he just says, stay, lay down, will you? I'm providing this for you. Enjoy it. Learn to feed on me. Because when you do that, you can go to the, you can go to a church that is dead as, as sawdust and and you'll be a you'll be a, a spring of life that's just bubbling up and bringing bringing life to everyone around you. If you don't have that inside you, that is Him. You can go to a church that is happening, and and they get enough like you, and it will quit happening. Where are we? I've got to race through this. So we're going to go quickly. He restores my soul. How many of you have ever been to Las Vegas? Shame on you. <laughs> if you've been to Vegas, then you, you kind of, you, you, you understand what I'm getting ready to say because uh, I've been, I've, I've been once actually, uh, Wade and I went to see uh, Went to see um, Isaac's band play one time. And uh, the first few hours that you're in Vegas, it's kind of like, wow, this is, well, I can't, wow. You know? But then after a few hours, it's kind of like you've eaten too much candy. <laughs> you know, had too much birthday cake. It just, it just didn't, ugh. it's kind of like you feel sticky. A little kind of yucky inside. I've, I've discovered over the years as I've, as I've walked with the Lord, this whole thing about restoring my soul, that the times that, I think the times that I feel the most alive, especially now that I've reached an age that, you know, I, I don't play softball anymore, you know, and do some of those things I used to do when I was young, kept me occupied and all, all those things. And, and they were, they were okay for a while, but they kind of, you know, fall by the wayside. The thing that has gotten richer and gotten sweeter and 
It's when, it's when I'm in the Word and it just starts to flow. You know? Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not like Bible man and every day it's, ah. No, there, there are days, you know, when I read it and it's just kind of like, mm, okay, let's see here. Mm, how, many, how many more verses? Yeah, there, there are those days. But you do them because, you know, at some point in time, and it could be today, it's kind of like the Lord coming back. You know, at some point in time, you, 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 you're reading through there, and then the next thing you know, it's got you. And once it's got you, I mean, you're, the Holy Spirit just starts saying things. And it just starts going places. And by the time, by the time that's done, I just I feel alive. You know, it's life is worth living. There's, it's it's a it's one it's my soul's restored. So you know I, yeah okay I'm going to race through the last two because I just got to say this. Uh, I, it, it astounds me. You know, we try to get people in this church to read the word and be in the word. It astounds me how many Christians just don't do it. Just don't bother. You know, or if they do, it's verse of the day. Now, verse of the day, I got nothing against verse of the day. If that's all you've got, then hold on to verse of the day by all means. But there's a, I mean, that's like going to, uh, that's like going to McDonald's and eating one French fry. And I would say that that's like sitting down to a nice meal and eating one pea, although I think that's not a bad idea necessarily. (laughs) But there's a feast there. There's a feast, and if he's your shepherd and you're going to learn his voice and and you want your soul restored, you got to do this. You got to get in the Word. That's where it is. He guides me in righteousness for his name's sake. Uh, he has put his name on you. That's no small thing. He claims you. The, the enemy will tell you, he doesn't claim you. He if he knew what you were, he knows what you are. And he claims you and he leads you in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Because he's not ashamed to say, you know, when people look at Phil, that's my boy. You know, when people look at Tammy, that's my girl. He's, he's got his name put on you, and so he leads us in paths of righteousness. When we do a lamplighter's play out here, there's a certain standard that I want it to be to because it, it's, it's got our name on it. And so he, he's got that. He wants, to, he wants to lift you up to a certain standard. And the only way you can get that is to follow him. You're not going to learn it on the Internet or, or TV or radio. It's, it's in that personal relationship with him. Even in the valley of death, I will not fear. For you, you are with me. Uh, well, yep, any of you? What just happened? <laughs> yeah. Just do this. That's all you have to do. Okay. Uh, you know, when, when I was little, we used to, our house was about 500 feet off the road, and and uh, and we I go places with my friends. And their mom would bring, bring me home at night and let me off at the road. I mean, gas is 21 cents a gallon. Come on, people. You can drive 500 feet. Let me off at the road. And sometimes it was dark. And sometimes the moon was full. 
You know what happens on dark nights with a full moon? Children get eaten. Yeah. And man, I mean, I, I, would, I would run. I'd just run. As soon as that car was gone and nobody's looking at me, it was like I was at, I was at the, the bridge and then I was at the house. Just like that. But here's the thing about the dark. If you've got anybody with you, anybody with you, the whole dynamic changes. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a big, strong guy, if it's a little bitty kid, as long as there's another person there. If it's a little bitty kid, you can go eat him. Figure I could outrun the kid. He'll get the slowest one. There you go. <laughs> Even in the valley of death, I will not fear. Why? Because you're with me. You're with me. The same rod and staff that corrects me destroys my enemies. And I'm just going to I'm going to blitz through this. This is my rod and staff. When I go out walking with my sheep, Peanut the dog. This is it. I got this, I got this in, in, in Africa uh, from, the, from the Mosai. And every now and then I'll give Peanut a little, little tap, and that's all it takes. Boy, he responds. You know, he'll get, he'll get with it. And so that rod and staff that God uses sometimes to give us a little tap, bring on an enemy and see what he does with it. I mean, seriously. You know, a big dog would be in a lot of trouble if it, if it comes after my little Peanut while I got... Well, I got this stick. I mean, this end's heavier than that end. You can, bah, you know, or you got, you can give it a little whip thing, or you can, if, if it's serious, if it's like a, a wild beast or something, you can, what, you know, run it through. And, and God, you know, he's got that little rod and staff, and it, you know, it'll comfort us sometimes. But man, if the enemy comes, he, we got something fierce walking along with us. We really do. And, and uh, he anoints my head with oil. That, that's, uh, that's olive oil. It, it, uh, it smells good. You eat it if you want to. Uh, <laughs> okay, Ronnie, slow down. Green pastures, green pastures. <laughs> Goodness and love will pursue me in this life. Starts now. Even though in this world you'll have trouble, and you will have trouble, regardless of who you follow, regardless of just because you're living in a fallen world. But it sure is helpful to have some goodness and love pursuing you along with that. Oh, and it does. It does when you follow him. Even on the worst days, if you, you can just stop. You know, if, if, he's, if he's not with you on the worst days, you're just, you're just hung out to dry. But if he is, you can just stop. Go, okay. Wait a minute. I know what this is all about. I know what's going on. And the goodness and the love comes. And I will live with him forever in eternity. There is a heaven, there is a hell. I don't know a lot about either one of them, but I know this. 
Heaven is where he is. And hell is where he isn't. That's what I know. And with the shepherd that I've got, I'm going to be where he is. Would you stand with me? For those who are going to pray with people, come forward. And if you need prayer, would you come forward? Maybe you need some goodness and love. Maybe uh, maybe you need some comfort. Maybe you need, I don't know what you need. If you need prayer, you come. Maybe you need him. That is what you need. Uh, we're going to worship for a few moments. What for you, these brothers and sisters will pray with you. And you know what? God does stuff down here. He absolutely does. Yeah, I know. He, he does stuff in your kitchen and, and out in the parking lot and driving in your car. But there is something about humbling yourself and going forward and saying, Brother, sister, will you pray with me? That has a powerful dynamic to it. And so if you, uh, in the spirit realm, So if you need prayer, you come. We'll worship for a few moments. The rest of us will worship and support you in that.
I love you guys. And He is with you. You just have to grab hold of that. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the great good shepherd of the sheep, may the fullness that comes from belonging to Him be yours. May you find green pasture, still waters, restored soul, through Jesus Christ our Lord.